Welcome to the Innovation Sofa, your podcast on all things innovation, digital innovation, new business models, transformation and change. This is brought to you by the makers of the Innovation and Transformation Hub and feature corporate business leaders from across the world on all things innovation. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Innovation Sofa. This morning, we are privileged to have on our show Danny Denhard, who is the Director of Growth with Just Giving. Good morning, Danny. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. So, uh, Danny, we want to find out a bit more about you. We want to find out a bit more about your objectives um, and and some of the stuff that you've been seeing over quite a few years of experience now uh, in having led various marketing teams, various uh, innovation projects. Uh, so there's quite a few questions coming your way. Um, can we kick off with a bit about who you are and what does a week in your job look like? Great. So hi, uh, I'm Danny Denhard. There's actually only two of us in the world uh, and the other Danny Denhard is based in Australia. So I tend to joke that if anyone uh, wants to troll me, it's pretty easy for me to find out um, what people have said. So as you rightly said, I'm Director of Growth at Just Giving. Um, we are a, market, a two-sided marketplace. So you might know us as that big purple site that, um, that helps people raise money for charities and people in need. Uh, I'm in my mid-30s and I've worked across marketing, product and operations. Basically, what that means is I've worked in and out um, of, of marketing uh, companies. So I've worked agency side, in-house, and I've had my own consultancy. So to answer your question, what does my week in my job look like? To be honest, it's very varied. It can be anything from everyone's favorite hours of meetings um, into marketing strategy, budget analysis, planning, uh, recommended product enhancements, all the way down to um, getting in and, and asking people to write SQL statements and queries for me and getting um, knees deep in data. I see. I see. That's a lot of um, that's a lot of background for us to pick on. So, um, you know, let's let's just look forwards for a moment here. Can you share with us your key growth objectives for the next 12 months? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, we, you know, we are uh, a company that's always looking for growth. Um, and in this particular role, we're, we're really focused on, um, especially in 2019, improving user happiness. So something that we've always concentrated on, but something that we want to double down on is how do we make our, our customers much happier? And that's through encouraging different sort of behavior and encouraging different nudges. So uh, whether that's using behavioral economics terms and, and ideologies to, to really help in the user uh, with a one-to-one or one-to-few relationship. Um, the second sort of phase of what we're trying to do in the next 12 months is trying to help increase the world of giving. What that means is, that's an internal phrase, but what that means is ensure that no great cause goes unfunded. People can raise money for amazing causes like charities on our platform but also help people realize that they can help their friends, family, community, or even strangers. You can help raise money for those specific causes and their their need and really help them um, in their current predicament. Or it could be a case of um, 
football and sports clubs raising money to, to buy new kits and new equipment, new roofing, etc. Um, and the last one to be to be uh, complete transparent is development and mentorship. Something I'm particularly passionate about is uh, is mentorship, and something I really want to uh, develop is an internal program, but potentially an external program. Because as people well know, is unless your company set up to to offer a mentor service, it can be really difficult to find either mentor, like to find an actual mentor or someone that's really relevant in, in what you do. So hopefully, develop our mentor program not only internally but externally. Wow, those are fantastic objectives. Um, and I mean, yeah, that's to be expected really from from you guys. But the the third one is very interesting. Um, well, we'll come back to some of that, I guess. Um, I, for the obviously, we're we're speaking to a community of innovators, a community of digital people, uh, all driven by enabling innovation and growth. Um, and I wanted to ask you, uh, what is your definition of innovation? I think I come at it at a slightly different uh, angle to most people. I actually think it's in increasing the level of thinking and desire to make positive change. I think we can all think disruptively and think that innovation has to be this huge term and this huge challenge. But actually, I think maybe steps and give people the uh, confidence to, to know that uh, innovation comes from small change. It doesn't have to be big bang change. And something that I've learned over the years is the smaller the change, the more momentum it gets, the more innovation comes from collaboration. Well, that's very interesting. You've picked up on, on a couple of uh, major challenges uh, in the innovation world um, in that phrase alone. But I wanted to also, you know, kind of get your views uh, on on what and perhaps where are the biggest three challenges with enabling innovation? Sure, for me, the, the three areas are, are buy-in. Um, essentially, you know, what's, what's key for people to understand is that what success looks like and where and when the return of investment will come. Innovation or, or transformation often comes with a large budget or a large budget request. And it's really important that the, the C-suite or the supporters or enablers really understand when their ROI is going to come. As I touched on, the second point for me is budget. It typically becomes uh, an investment case. And it doesn't always come only in trust, but people need to know that there's an additional fee or additional budget that has to come. And it's not only a three-month activity. It's potentially 12, 18, 24, 36 months of real dedicated uh, budget that, that helps enable change. And then the last thing for me is time. I think the one thing that most people uh, realise is we're all restricted by time, but innovation really takes time, energy and momentum. Once you start picking up some pace, the momentum comes and people really want to get behind it. But it's just understanding that it's going to take time and that not, not just a software tweak or rolling out Slack or uh, making change on an office suite. You know, it takes real time, effort and budget to make real positive change. And even baby steps takes can take, you know, a quarter, two quarters to, to an annual plan to really come together. It's interesting that you, you touched upon the, uh, on that thing. I think everyone associates innovation with fast speed accelerator 
you know, everything, everything is at speed with innovation, but actually it does take a long time for that speed to, to be happening. Definitely something I've, I've found, especially more recently, um, and having my consultancy is muscle memory. People have to understand that it's uh, a behavior and people have to get familiar with it. So the more that you reinforce and the more that it becomes uh, normal behavior, the more that people will get behind it and want to support it. That's very interesting. Um, so, you, you, you know, I guess um, I wanted to also get your thoughts on what could the solutions be for these things, because these are pretty big issues. Um, so if, do you have do you have even hypothetical solutions for you know, how people can overcome these challenges? Yeah, the way I, I sort of see it again is uh, another pattern of three. So rigor, you know, people have to have to go through it and really, um, really challenge themselves and challenge the, the ideology that they're putting forward and have to be over um, pre- prepared and being meticulous in, in what that means. And I think the over preparation is, is an important part. I know that some people go at it and they want to get buy-in, but if you've really thought of all the scenarios and really planned the what-ifs and when, it's going to be really important for people to, to get behind and, and show that you thought of, of the next solution, the next steps. And I think that we picking back up the meticulous point is meticulous planning uh, and product and project management. I think project management fell out of... Um, of fashion a couple of years ago, but I'm seeing more and more that actually, if you can have a rigorous project management tool or person, it really helps bring people together and drive that change. And I think if you don't have one person trying to centralize that, it's very difficult for people to get behind behind a proposed solution or innovation. That's very interesting. And tell me about how people can overcome the challenge of the budget, especially long-term budget. So I think, interestingly, there's a if you run budgets annually or quarterly, you essentially have to understand where you're going to put that money and when you're going to spend it. Um, some businesses won't allow you to roll over quarter by quarter. Others will want you to be um, flexible in when you apply that. Something that I uh, I really advocate is people to have a budget breakdown and when and where and when they're going to spend it. So something that I've, um, you know, you want to be uh, top heavy, you want to spend a good proportion of your money or your budget at the beginning to really get people to see that there is some transition and that there is um, there is real focus in spending that money. And then uh, you can either ramp up spend if you've got that uh, additional month to month or quarterly increase. Or alternatively, if you need to ramp down if you spend high at the beginning, you should start seeing that inherent um, benefit over time. And you'll get people that want to invest their own time and energy getting behind innovation. Interesting. Do you, do you, are you an advocate of, um, of a particular way to go with this? Do you, you know, have, you, have you done it in both ways in the past? And would you prefer one over the other? I personally like to work quarter to quarter. I think because you, you have better ownership of the budget and you're less likely to have some taken away from you and potentially you have a quarter to um, essentially upsell what you've achieved. Um, Also, you know, you have to befriend the budget holder. So if you actually pitch the budget, but you don't own it yourself, 
you'll need the budget sign-off and you'll need potentially the financial director or the CFO to get behind it. And befriending them is really important, whether it's an annual or quarterly budget. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, friends you have to make in a when you when you're trying to drive innovation. I have to for say, sure in a in a lot of places. Um, now we covered uh, an interesting area, but I I, I want to come back a little bit to your role and and being in a marketplace type uh, environment and business. You know what are the key differences in enabling product innovation in uh, a platform type business compared to a traditional non-platform? I guess linear business model well where do you see the key differences that's a huge question um i would personally i'd say that when you're a two-sided marketplace you don't just have one customer you have two to many so often you you'll have to think about how the, the two sides work together and where they meet in the middle and how you can leverage that so one thing that um we've we've you know we experience here and you know companies like Etsy, uh, eBay, et cetera, really leverages uh, how the seller brings in the buyer and how uh, you you often have to weigh up which one is the, the most important to drive demand and awareness and then actually move down to either creating a page, buying an item or selling an item. And something that... Um, you know, we do, you know, specifically here, we have the charities on one side and we have the consumers on the other, but they really meet in the middle and that's connected by cause. And if we can really help uh, both sides uh, raise more money more efficiently and work together to solve that, that specific cause of that problem, it really helps to drive um, not only usage, but innovation within the sector. And I think that's that's something that's relatively unique to marketplace businesses. Whereas if you're more of a traditional business, you only really concentrate on one side of that. And it's then really difficult to, to influence not only your customers, but a market that you're in and really try and drive innovation. So unless you're in a huge, like an Amazon or a Facebook, it's really difficult to try and to drive um, innovation within your sector. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm delighted that you're saying this. I've been hearing a little bit uh, lately about purposeful uh, companies and purpose-driven uh, type environments and even platforms that people are thinking about. So instead of being, con- it's, a, it's a little bit like you guys, um, but I guess, you know, depends on, on the industry. Do you feel this is something that's up and coming and more people are going to follow a similar type of example and then business model or it will remain a thing of the marketplace type environment? That's an interesting question. I'd like to think that it's going to be ongoing and it'd be something that uh, as many companies that that can get behind purpose-driven business models will, will adapt and support. It's difficult because you have to change the not only the goals of the company but the mentality of a company. It's great now that people understand that there are many causes you can get behind and support in many ways. It's going to take uh, a few years for many companies to, to set the trend, but I'd love to see it you know, really resonate with uh, big and small companies. I don't know, many startups uh, are driving that, in, that the innovative curve, as it were, in, in, in making that move to 
to purpose driven. Also, you know, it will ring true with not only the people that you employ, but the services and the product that you offer and how you can think about how you can support your customer and your business in, in many different ways, not only from a, from a revenue perspective. And it's great that uh, so many companies are thinking about it and getting behind that, that movement. I personally believe that's where the world is going, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to the, the structure a little bit. Uh, I want to ask, in your view, should innovation be owned by a particular line of business? If yes, who and why? If no, why not? And how it should be done? Sure. It, it's something that needs to be organic, that needs to organically evolve uh, within the company. I think whether that's a small dedicated team or, you know, to use a more of a sort of uh, a fan, you know, a fancy way of putting it, a swarm to help drive it. I think there, there should be a, you know, a project lead, but not necessarily a leader. I don't think it has to have a C-suite title attached to it, but I think what it does need is it needs someone to really centralise it and become the glue of that innovation Something that we've, uh, you know, that I've sort of experienced and an ex-client from my consultancy days, they used to say is you need the right people on the bus. It's the job, the driver is important, but it's not the most important. It's having the right people behind you to support you and how all drive and move together. I think that's particularly true in, in innovation and, and working out that lead. You know, one thing that many people uh, fail to sort of pick up if, if that leader does leave, is that momentum and that push. If you get a small team behind it, they can pick that up and drive as a team moving forward, not just an individual who who will have to try and juggle many different uh, opinions and ideologies to try and understand what would what success looks like and what the steps to get there. Mm, very interesting. Well, thank you for that. Um, I wanna I wanna ask you a bit about uh, some of the tech that you may think it will make a big impact. You probably I don't know how much you suffer of this, but a great deal of people have this uh, fear of missing out um, element in their everyday jobs uh, and every every decision that they make. Um, it's it you know if, if you are someone what do you what are you most concerned with uh, a lot of the times we're getting you know am I making the right decision am I betting on the right technology um, so I wanted to ask you you know what are the key technologies that could have a big impact in the next 12 months in your view of course sure so in my personal view I think it's communication tools and how you're using them effectively we're all uh, burning out from you know, email fatigue to notification fatigue to to Slack and hit chat and all the other um, chat tools and instant messages that we have. I think it's trying to find that that one tool or two tools that work for you. And I think the communication tools like Slack are, are really important, especially to try and have transparency and, and educate people en masse and provide short, sharp, interesting updates. Emails are quite bland and very push and don't really resonate with people because you can send an email at any time. It's only uh, convenient for the person sending it as opposed to people receiving it. And I think, interestingly, there's, there's definitely a gap in the market for a tool there that can help um, scale innovation. And that would be a core tech change. I think another one is the you know integration tools and automation. There's a million and one different ways to automate. But I think things like Zapier, Ift, um, 
and tools like that, but they're going to become more and more important and bots that can help uh, communicate and update people in as real time as possible, that give people ways of querying their data. Interestingly, I've seen IBM, IBM Watson working in many different ways, and I think that that is probably one of the only voice activated or voice controlled um, systems that will really uh, revolutionize how some companies might work and reduce the requirement for a number of bodies in a, you know, in a database team or a data science team. There are big companies working on these solutions that are reasonably priced and can answer questions within seconds as opposed to days. And the last one for me and something I've, I've sort of seen is social media really uh, has another transitional period ahead. And I think it's how people will adapt to it. Because social has become a, a vital tool, not only in the workplace, but for you know, personal communications. And I think there's a great opportunity with social media tools um, to use that as, a, as ways to, to innovate and, and drive scale, like change at scale. Um, we're moving towards a topic-based uh, world where people are going back to subjects and interests and matters as opposed to loads and loads of newsfeed or algorithmically driven updates. And I think topic-based is going to be where, you know, Twitter's openly said Reddit's been for many years and Facebook have, have had to adapt to group change, you know, groups congregating together and having conversations around really important topics. And I think social's got a transitional period which will help change innovation and get people behind change as a subject matter, not just a... Um, an in-work amendment, it can be something that can evolve organically where people spend most of their time. That's really interesting, actually. I wasn't expecting you to um, to, to pick on those. It's, it's really exciting that you've highlighted a couple of communication tools that will basically act as catalysts of change and catalysts of innovators uh, innovation in a way um, and you know it's it's quite nice to hear that innovation is moving from the lab or the one person into a place where it's it's in everyone's dna it's in everyone's jobs um, and it's certainly something here uh, something that um, we're hearing more and more of so um, that's fantastic um, and just in closing um, obviously you've been doing this for a little while you've seen it from both sides of the fence so to speak uh what's your your biggest advice to anyone really regardless of linear platform type business uh trying to enable innovation and change i i, I sort of see it in three or four different uh ways i think never ever do it in a silo never try and create it without people getting behind it and having uh, many views and opinions and many supporters. I think once you do it in silo or one or two people do it, it becomes siloed and then you have to get buy-in. Whereas if you get people to buy-in at the beginning, you'll get much better results at the end. I think don't let the hippo drive uh, and sign everything off. So the highest paid opinion isn't always the right opinion and very often uh, it can never be challenged. And if you can set out to ensure that it's not only the highest paid person's opinion in that room to sign off or tell you what you can and can't do. I think you make the most positive change that way and innovate the right way as opposed to innovate to one person's opinion. And that very much depends on what organization you work in, but working across many different 
uh, verticals. This is the, you know, I've seen this happen, and there's many memes out there that, that sort of support that as well. I think one essential thing that everyone has to do is be over prepared because you're going to get asked questions. And if you don't have the answers straight away, you almost lose the battle at the beginning. And the, the last thing for me is um, important regular updates. Make it super simple and digestible because innovation and, and you know transformation can sound either buzzwordy or intimidating. So if you can make it uh, applicable for everyone and applicable for people that really want to get behind it, you'll get supporters and natural people that want to join the tribe as opposed to sit outside and criticise it. So regular updates, short, sharp and digestible is my, uh, my top tips. That's a fantastic, uh, fantastic bit of advice to end on. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for your time this morning. We're looking forward to hearing more and seeing you at the Digital Innovation Hub in March on the 27th and 28th. Um, personally, I'm really excited about what's to come for you and, and for Just Giving. And um, I think you're a real asset to our speaker faculty. So um, overall, I couldn't have been more excited about having you on the show this morning. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, and uh, once again, a big thank you. Great, thanks very much. Bye for now.